the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hour 3. It's Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich, and I am very happy to introduce a a national guest of national prominence. Uh, Corey DeAngelis is going to be joining me right now. He uh, is the National Director of Research at the American Federation for Children, the Executive Director at Educational Freedom Institute, He's an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and a senior fellow at the Reason Foundation. So this is somebody who uh, knows a lot about what is going on right now with our children and the classroom. So, Corey, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, I really appreciate you being on. So much as a parent myself and a product of public schools and my kids are products of public schools. it seems that there is a lot of stuff going on right now that is just very disagreeable to a lot of parents. Why do you think it is now that so many parents are speaking out about what their children are learning? Is it because they're learning things that, you know, I didn't learn, we didn't learn when we were growing up, um, or are just parents more engaged? Why do you think they're, why do you think our parents are speaking up and so upset about what's going on right now? Yeah, there's a couple different factors, but the way that I would put it is that COVID didn't break the public school system. In a lot of ways, it was already broken. And the past year and a half has simply shined a spotlight on the main problem with K-12 education all across America, which happens to be a massive, long-existing power imbalance between the teachers' union monopoly and individual families. And the families got to see that look, um, the private schools are fighting to reopen all along where they had been open the entire time, whereas the public school teachers unions in in, in so many states were were fighting for the opposite. They were fighting to keep their doors closed. And the main difference there isn't that the employees of one sector are better than the other. The difference is what incentives that one of those sectors receives children's education dollars, regardless of whether they even open their doors for business. And a lot of families that thought that their kids were in uh, quote-unquote A-rated public schools, I think they started to see what was actually going on in the classroom, and they started to figure out that, well, the schools weren't as good as they had originally thought, either what, when it comes to aligning with their values and the curriculum wasn't aligned with their values, or whether they just started to understand that through remote learning that that the, the teaching wasn't as good as, as what they had they had hoped for all along. And so families have started to push back at school board meetings for a variety of reasons, uh, and then they've also pushed for expanding school choice policies, or what I have called funding students as opposed to systems, having the money follow the child to wherever they're getting an education, which, by the way, I would argue fixes all of these problems that we've seen over the past year organically. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen fights over whether kids should have remote learning versus in person, whether they should have masking in the schools or not. Or, or forced masking or not, or whether they, they should have uh, vaccination requirements for all of the kids, or uh, what type of curriculum should be in the classroom. And I would just argue all these battles that we've seen over the past year and a half are just symptoms of the larger problem, 
which is the one-size-fits-all government school system. And the only way out of this forward is to allow each and every family to take their kids' education dollars to the provider that works best for them and aligns best with their values. That could be another public school or it could be a private school or homeschool option. And let me ask you, Corey, I'm going to ask you this and think about the answer to this. I'll tell a quick anecdote, but what do you say in response to people that say, oh my gosh, you know, if, you know, if you if allow the funding to follow a student or, you know, we have charter schools or competition in schools that somehow that is draining public schools of resources. And and you think about that, and I'll just tell you a really quick anecdote. I went back to my old high school, and uh, I was doing a commencement speech there, actually, and I was walking through the principals giving me a tour and went to the library, and it was, like, amazing, all these, like, a computer lab, and there was some kid studying Chinese, like, 20 different languages they were offering, and then they had a, like, a crime lab where people can study, you know, if they're interested in the criminal justice system and, you know, investigating crimes, and all these different, like, pretty cutting edge things in a lot of ways that wasn't there when I was there. And I said, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And the principal said to me, um, try not to get him in trouble, but he basically said, well, you know, there's all these charter schools now in this area and we have to keep up. We have to be competitive. We have to offer um, a reason for people to come here and we have to offer, you know, the best education we can and options. And I thought that was so insightful. And to me, that was a demonstration that, you know, when we have charter schools, we have school choice, that it actually leads to better public schools. All, all, all it, The rising tide is lifting all boats. But anyway, what are your thoughts on that? Or what, what do you, how do you respond when people say... Yeah, somehow yeah, is robbing public schools. Your your response is great. That school choice is a rising tide that lifts all boats. There's 27 studies on this topic, and 25 of the 27 studies find statistically significant positive effects of private school choice uh, competition on the kids who remain in the public school system. So when you hear the other side saying, "Oh, you're just anti-public education. You just want to destroy the public schools," well, no, that's not true. It's the it's the opposite. That I would like for the public schools to do a better job, and the only way to do that is to give them stronger incentives to cater to the needs of families. And in fact, that's what we see play out when families actually get a say and ha- and are able to take their kids' education dollars to the education provider that best meets their needs. And the way that I would respond to the argument that, oh, school choice just defunds the public schools is with a rhetorical question, well, why would giving families an option destroy or defund public schools? Uh, the other side can't respond to that question because it's essentially an admission that they understand that thousands of families aren't happy with what they're getting in the current system. That's an argument for choice, not against it. And then, look, school choice doesn't defund public schools. If anything, public schools defund families. And school choice initiatives just return the money to the hands of the rightful owners, the families and their children. Education funding is meant for educating children, not for propping up and protecting a particular institution, public or private. Look, no one would say that allowing families to choose their grocery store steals money from Walmart. We all know that the money doesn't belong to Walmart in the first place. The money belongs to the families, even if you're using something like a taxpayer-funded food stamp program. We don't tell low-income families they must spend that money at a nearby government-run grocery store. No, instead, the money goes to the family. They could choose Walmart if they want, but they could also choose Safeway or Trader Joe's or another grocery provider that works best for them. Corey, can we get you? Can we get you to appear at every school board meeting in the country to explain this to the uh, the bureaucrats that are running uh, these these school boards? Yeah, I mean, whenever I have time available, and uh, I can I could try to come to Arizona. It'll be a lot of fun. I was just there a a few weeks ago. Uh, But look, it's it's the reality is the money belongs to the families and their kids, not to the institutions. 
And what's funny to me is a lot of the same people that argue for money following people as opposed to buildings with everything else from higher education with Pell Grants to pre-K programs, including the Head Start program, they get all up in arms about giving money to people as opposed to buildings only when it comes to those in-between years of K-12 education. And the reality is the only way to bridge that apparent logical inconsistency is to understand that there's a difference of power dynamics. Choice is the norm with higher education, pre-K, and just about every other industry all across the United States, but choice threatens an entrenched special interest only when it comes to K-12 education, that is the teachers' union monopoly. So, of course, they fight as hard as possible against any change to the status quo. Well, I will tell you, as someone that's actually sued our higher education establishment, I do think that that's a conversation for another day because higher education uh, all over the country has gone straight up like a rocket uh, when you look at other consumer goods, and it's because I think that they have an unquestioned monopoly. But we can talk about that later. But let me just ask you this. How dangerous is it? You know, we mentioned school boards. How dangerous is it? It just seems like the radical left has taken over a lot of school boards, local boards. And, you know, we saw what happened in Virginia and places like Loudoun County, which are absolutely shocking. Um, Why is it? Why is it that the left thinks that the school officials know what's best for their children and not parents? And how do we change that dynamic? And how do we make sure that we return that power back to the parents? Well, it's such an atrocious notion that your kids and the education dollars meant for educating your kids belong to the government. I think most people know that that's absolutely ridiculous. So the best way to fight against that is transparency. Look, a lot of what we're seeing right now is the result of people getting to see what was going on in the classroom and just listening to public officials uh, give their opinions about the kids belonging to the government as opposed to Parents, you know, having having the say in their kids' education, we saw that play out in Virginia. It didn't work for Terry McAuliffe, the former Virginia governor and gubernatorial candidate that lost by two percentage points last week in a state that went to Biden by 10 percentage points. It's because he was in the last debate. He said something along the lines of, quote, I don't, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Well, that's not going to fly anymore because parents are the new special interest group in town, and they're going to fight for the right to educate their kids as they see fit harder than anybody is going to fight to take that right away from them. So I'm optimistic going forward. And if Republicans want to have a winning strategy going forward, we saw how it worked for them in Virginia. And I think that can that can work out all across the nation because Democrats have have uh, unintentionally caught themselves in a catch 22 situation because they've over relied on on teachers union support, which overwhelmingly disproportionately donates to the Democratic Party. I think the American Federation of Teachers, I just posted on Twitter today, every single election cycle over the last three decades, the American Federation of Teachers, over 97 percent of their campaign contributions went to Democrat candidates as opposed to Republicans. And that's why as parents, we got to keep fighting. We got to keep fighting. You know, and Corey, you're doing God's work. Thank you for fighting with reason and logic against the far left and their radical policies. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. All right. It's Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. And let me just begin by apologizing for that super tramp. If I was responsible for the music, we would not be playing that. We'd be playing something much better. But, but, I am filling in for Seth Liebson. It's his show here on Patriot Radio. 
I want to once again thank all of the veterans. Uh, Make sure you tell a veteran thank you for preserving our liberty and freedom. And I want to welcome a friend of mine um, who understands liberty and freedom uh, with her background. She is currently an investigative reporter and a Fox News contributor. She can be found at sarahcarter.com. She also hosts a very terrific podcast, and I think I might even be a guest on it next week. So uh, anyway, let me welcome Sarah Carter to the show. I hope you and Marty are doing well today. We're doing great. Thank you so much, Attorney General. Thank you, Mark. And I, I got to tell you, he is, uh, you know, it's Veterans Day. And of course, to all the veterans out there, thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much for everything you've done. And to all those who fought before and continue to fight for our freedom. I mean, there just are no words, right, to express the gratitude that we have as a nation for what they've done. And uh, my favorite veteran, of course, my husband, who I love very much and dear to my heart, you know, uh, willing to give everything so that we can have the freedom uh, to be free. Hopefully we will continue to be free, but the Biden administration is not making that easy. And you and I are both working on that. And there are so many interesting perspectives perspectives you have and we've turned the tables here because sometimes you ask me questions i get to ask you and and i was i want to talk about the border and i know that you know so much about that and you are so knowledgeable and you have so much information but one thing i know that you and i have talked about and i've seen your reports on this on fox is dealing with the situation in afghanistan and on veterans day today i know that you were doing everything you can to help interpreters and people that served alongside our military. And I don't know if you want to talk at all a little bit about that or, or what your thoughts or frustrations were about the Biden administration and how the Afghanistan was handled. Oh, it was just devastating. Uh, interestingly enough, today, you know, both both on both topics, one, I'm here at Eagles Pass on the U.S.-Mexico border and uh, have lots to report on that. It's just been terribly chaotic and and horrible for, you know, for everyone involved here. Uh, and uh, as for Afghanistan, you know, it was a, it was like a kick in the gut to a lot of people who served in Afghanistan. You know, I, my husband in particular, the way the Biden administration handled this, um, Attorney General, by particularly uh, by just pulling out, giving the full perimeter and uh, giving all security turned over to the Taliban, which is nothing more to me than a terrorist organization. Of course, uh, they're allied with al-Qaeda to a large extent and and other extremist groups in the region. Uh, they have no respect for human rights. Uh, and we saw what happened uh, with that horrible, uh, messed-up withdrawal where 13 of our, our good Marines were, were killed and others wounded and innocent civilians wounded. And you're right, uh, we spent quite a bit of time uh, during those uh, few weeks and even up until now, uh, trying to get the people that deserve to be out of Afghanistan out of Afghanistan. And we know now, even with the State Department disclosing this, uh, it's crazy. There are still thousands of Americans. Uh, just several weeks ago, I, I want to throw this in there, you know, Congressman um, Mike Garcia's office, along with me, uh, Charles Navarro, who was working with him, we uh, were able to get four women for um, green card holding American women out of Afghanistan. It took more than two weeks uh, to move them through what we call a rat line uh, from the city, from Kabul, all the way out uh, into Pakistan. And then from Pakistan, of course, because they have their green cards, they were able, uh, with the help of actually a, a, a wonderful human being, a philanthropist and donor actually from Arizona, 
believe it or not, were able to get them back to the United States to be with their husband and with their father. Uh, I can't begin to tell you the horrors of what we have experienced uh, with those people, you know, hearing their stories and trying to get them out of uh, this war-torn nation that is being ruled now by terrorists, in my opinion, um, and the tragedy that has befelt that, and especially the fact that so many of our soldiers and troops, I say soldiers because of my husband being in the Army, but but so many of our, our military, our troops, uh, vested so much in this, and the American people, because the one thing we don't want is we do not want a return of these uh, terrorist organizations, and unfortunately, it looks like like that's going to happen. I do, I do have my wonderful um, interpreter and his family here in America. They have gone through the process, and now they'll actually, after months, almost three months, will be getting to go to a city uh, where they can live and get a job. And this is somebody who uh, my husband was just talking to on the phone today, uh, and so excited to be an American now, um, and so excited to have their baby boy here with them in this great nation. It makes me very proud to be an American when I know that so many Americans have have done so much to help so many from around the world. But Afghanistan was very, very, very tough situation, and it still is. You we know, still have thousands of Americans. You know, yeah. Sarah, I know that you and I, um, once again, it's Mark Burnovich talking to Fox News contributor and uh, the Sarah Carter Show podcast. Uh, I, I know you and I are like minds on this where, look, you know, we want people to want to come to America, but you have to do it the right way. And I always tell folks, I don't right. do any polling, but, you know, if you talk to my mom and, you know, her friends that, you know, flood countries like Yugoslavia, Poland, communists, they'll tell you that, look, no one incentivized or monetized them coming here. And there was a process you had to go through. And, you know, we want people to come here. But we have to do it the right way. And now we know the cartels have seized operational control of our border, essentially. And you have been covering the border for a while. So can you maybe share with the uh, listeners what have you seen um, and are there differences between what happened maybe with Obama and President Trump and now with Joe Biden and you know maybe kind of help people appreciate what you see as the differences oh I I mean there is a vast difference I've been covering the border since the Bush administration Mark I I, my gosh you were a young child then oh yeah I was just a baby no (laughs) yeah I've been doing this for a while a lot of people don't 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 know this know this or realize this but i have been covering the border for quite some time and it has got extraordinarily worse uh yesterday i was out in the field with the texas department of public safety just phenomenal dps officers out there on the front line doing everything they can uh to not only protect the citizens of texas but i say protect uh all citizens across the united states same goes for our arizona uh, law enforcement officers our California law enforcement officers, both federal, state, and local, uh, that includes Border Patrol, all of them, ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Let me begin by telling you something. I'm going to be talking about this tonight on, uh, you know, on Sean Hannity uh, and uh, reporting live from the border here tonight. So it's going to be very exciting. Um, but what we have is a situation that is so out of control. Uh, last night we were on private farmlands with a Texas DPS since uh, July 20th. When they've been able to make arrests because of Governor Abbott's, uh, you know, uh, Lone Star um, operation, they have been able to get out there and actually arrest people for trespassing. Those are people that are crossing into the United States who do not want to be caught. These are not the families that are turning themselves in. 
These are gang members, people with rap sheets, people with records, people that do not want to be known to authorities. We were out there. I can't begin to tell you how many people we saw on the radar traversing people's ranches, moving around their homes, um, you know, uh, using GPS navigators. To find their Sarah, way. Sarah, I'm uh, so sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. The, the, I'm not in. They're t- cutting me off. So I will see you, watch you tonight on Sean Hannity's show and talk to you on your podcast next week. Thank you so much. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you, Mark. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Bye. It's pot. Through a new reality. Am I on? All right. A little more rush there for everybody. Uh, anyway, I got another one of my buddies. Of course, when I'm hosting the radio show, and I'm Mark Burnovich, Arizona's Attorney General. Some people refer to me as America's Attorney General because I'm fighting the Biden administration so much. I have my friend, former uh, military colleague, Paul Gene Forshee from the great state of Ohio. Uh, Mr. Forshee retired as a lieutenant colonel. Um, he served 28 years in the U.S. military. Um, he's been deployed from to Afghanistan, to Iraq, to Tajikistan, if I recall correctly. Uh, Gene, are you there? I am here, and mega dittos, Captain Brinovich. <laughs> You're throwing around rank today. Oh, man, look at you. <laughs> You're not going to make me stop and drop and do 20, are you? Well, you know, at the point when you're bringing me in with the uh, Canadian band, I've got to wonder. Um, oh. There is that. They, I'm they are with Nickelback. Come on. <laughs> they are our allies still, I think. Um, Hey, I'll tell you what, Gene, uh, thank you for your service. I thought it was important as I was guest hosting here on Veterans Day to have folks that that have served our country so proudly and to say thank you. And let me just ask you, I mean, I I had Bill on earlier. uh, What made you want to serve in the military? Why did you think it was important to serve? Uh, you'll laugh at that, but uh, before I get into it, let me let me tell you. In return, thanks for your service. Uh, I had a lot of fun when we did our uh, six years together. Uh, pretty cool. And I know you don't play that up with uh, anybody in the audience, so uh, it's time you can stand up, take a little credit for what you've done there, too, man. Take a bow, pat well, yourself on the back. Well, thank you, Gene. I thought you were going to tell a story about the um, some PT test or whatever, but uh, that's good. That story was clean, oh. so continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my best behavior today. Oh, man, uh, it's like towards the end of the day, I'm about to say stuff I'm going to regret. So, yeah, I want, come on, we're talking about why you joined the military. All right, well, uh, honestly, probably comes down to actors. Um, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and uh, me and my brother used to live for the weekends when the uh, local TV stations would put on all the uh, old movies, John Wayne, Audie Murphy, you know, George C. Scott. And what a sense of patriotism at that time. I mean, those those movies had a message. It was, you know, it was patriotic. It was it was it was a message that said, you know, this is what people go and do when everybody else depends on them to get the job done. So you know, we grew up and we watched that, and and I just knew from an early age I wanted to go in. And then they elected Reagan president, so you know, it seemed like full circle, like six degrees of Ron Reagan. Uh, so. It, it, it just did it. I mean, it was John Wayne. It was Dottie Murphy. It was 
all that, and and nobody nobody preached anything but the message of patriotism. Not it wasn't about themselves, you know. You didn't see these guys out in the media trying to influence the country. They you know, just, you know, they, it's they funny, Gene, because I just saw someone played um, a group of people, uh, John Wayne, and some of the very people you mentioned. Uh, George Burns, a whole group of Hollywood actors. This is like probably from the 70s singing God Bless America. And I thought to myself, my goodness, Hollywood has changed so much. Could you imagine a group of actors today standing up together to sing God Bless America? And it's really I think a lot of times people take this country for granted. And that's why it's so important to thank people like yourself, Bill, earlier that's that have worn the uniform. And let me ask you, that got you to join the Army what were some of the lessons you learned during your military service? Oh, God. I mean, uh, it teaches you to get along with people. Um, you know, it's a reflection of society, but it's a, it's a lot smaller microcosm because, uh, like uh, somebody had on earlier today, you know, there's less than 200 million people uh, in uniform now, and that sounds like a lot until you start piecing it out into Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Reserves, National Guard, Auxiliary, you know, and then you start talking about smaller and smaller pockets of people. And then you start talking about bases within those various services and serving on those bases. You're, you're running into the same people uh, your entire career. Uh, so when, when the accusations of the military is uh, white supremacy, comes out that that can't be true uh just like it can't be true in society when they point the finger and say this white supremacy in the military has never been a thing because everybody is a brother and a sister because you don't know which one of these people who you have to live with 24 7 365 is going to be the guy that jumps on a grenade that saves your whole life everybody else's life gene thank you so much Thank you so much for your service. And, yeah, that's why they say, you know, in the Army, it's no, there's no uh, uh, black, white, um, any other race but green. We're all green, brother. So thank you very Check, much again brother. for your service, Gene. Yes, Be sir. safe. Shout out to Tony Pamino. <laughs> He's a giver just like me. <laughs> Later on. Thanks, bro. Hello. Welcome back, everybody. It's Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich uh, filling in today, thanking all of our veterans, thanking everyone that has served our country. And I have a special place in my heart for our next guest. She is the former governor of the great state of Arizona, the 22nd governor of Arizona, uh, my boss at one time. Um, very powerful. One of my mom's all-time favorite people, I must admit. Uh, Governor Jan Brewer. Governor Brewer, are you there? Hi there, General. How are you doing? I I am doing excellent, Governor. Um, uh, hopefully, Michael and your family, everyone is doing well? We are doing good. We're just in the midst of all these elections and crazy stuff going on with inflation and the Biden administration. It's nuts. No, it's it's it is so crazy, and you have so much insight into knowledge into so many issues that are affecting our country and state. And let me, if I, if you don't mind, let me begin with: What do you think about what's happening 
the catastrophe, I'll call it a catastrophe, not a crisis, at our border. And do you ever remember, you know, as an Arizona, do you ever remember seeing it this bad? Just absolutely horrid, absolutely horrible. I mean, we've had a, a problem at the Arizona border for a long time. I remember going way back with Reagan and uh, trying to get things done. And, you know, we the, the amnesty was allowed and nothing ever came of it. And it just hasn't been uh, taken care of. And it's an impossible uh, to try to talk to people. Everybody seems to not understand it other than those like you and I and the people that live in Arizona. But we need attention. And it is an outrage what we're experiencing right now with the Biden administration. I mean, my goodness, come on in. You're all welcome. And then if you get if you've been separated from your kids for breaking the law, we're going to give you four hundred fifty thousand dollars. I mean, is that not outrageous? You know, it, it is crazy. And, Governor, you know, the media here, it's funny because there's a reporter that you would know, um, that, that you you would know and, and I know, that had asked me something or he made some comment about, like, oh, you're on Fox. Why don't you, you know, whatever, talk to local media? And I was like, well, when local media starts covering the border for the catastrophe that it is, we can have more conversations. I don't know if you saw this data, but fentanyl deaths are up in you know pima county homicides up in pima county we're gonna have a record number of people and just about a week and a half ago the u.s supreme court accepted one of our cases dealing with the public charge rule where the biden administration has essentially gotten rid of provisions that say that if you come into the country you know you have to be able to support yourself that you can't be on welfare and no one's covering that and so it seems like the biden administration is monetizing and incentivizing people coming here. And I mean, do you think it was even this bad under Obama? I think that it has gotten worse. Absolutely. Because I think Obama was probably smarter than Biden and he tried to cover up his, his um, maneuvers. But with Biden, I mean, he's just, you know, everything's fine and dandy and he's hooked up with all the progressives and the, and the, and the liberals. And they just don't care. Bring them all in so we have some new voters, I guess. And we all get to work and get to pay for it all. I and, mean, and you know, the incarceration. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, Governor. I No, I would never... I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, but I was thinking that when you were governor, you were tough, and that's why so many people respected you, and you had to deal with a lot of crud that people said about you that wasn't true. And how can you? How did you deal with um, people saying, you know, you were just trying to protect Arizonans <laughs> against the cartels, trying to protect how, how did you end up dealing with that? How, how was that experience? Well, because I knew it was so awful and so badly that I just had to stand up and, and shout it from the rooftops. I mean, the sex trafficking, the dropouts, the fentanyl, the drugs, the death, um, the threats, the cartels coming in and wrecking havoc. Um, you know, we had shootouts on our on our freeways, and nobody would listen. I'd go to the Governors Association. I'd try to talk about it, and they all had a simple solution, right? It will go away. It will go away. Well, folks, it hasn't gone away. We need attention. We need our borders secured. We believe in the rule of law. And if you break the law, then you're prosecuted, Mr. General Attorney. <laughs> and, Governor, you know, we've got we've got all these lawsuits against the Biden administration. And that's the thing is that there's literally laws, for example, that say if you have a deportation order, you must be deported. You shall be deported. And the Biden administration refuses to do that. I mean, there's more than a million people exactly. in this country with deportation orders. Exactly. Exactly. They're not even following the federal law. I mean, they are in charge of our border, basically. We all know that. I mean, it's the 
you know, the borders are the, the federal government, but they don't do their job. So we we have to step up and do it ourselves. And Governor, do you think our taxpayer, our taxpayer, our taxpayer are taking on all the costs for the whole country? And and what do you think? I mean, I think the border catastrophe, the cartel seizing control of it is the biggest issue facing the state. But what other issues do you see besides, in addition to the border crisis, that are really facing Arizona that we have to be prepared for, the leaders have to address right now? Oh, I think that it's really important that we look at you know the inflation issue and, and understand that we can't have that to continue. And we've got to come together, not only in Arizona, but throughout the country to get that Biden administration to do something on that. And certainly we, we need to, to know that... Um, uh, uh, you know, that the taxes aren't going to get, get totally, totally out of control. I think those are really important. But then, of course, education is always on the forefront, always on the forefront. That's, you know, those are home, home family issues that people are concerned about. And they're all out of control. And do you think, do you think that it seems to me, and you know a lot more about the stuff than I do, but it seemed to be like the races, even in like Virginia, the notion that the left thinks, you know, the school boards and the education establishment can, knows better than parents. Don't you think that impacted some of the, oh. the, the election in Virginia? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why, you know, that, that's why I got involved in politics is because I went to school board and I didn't like what was going on. And, you know, I, my husband said, well, you know, I was going to run for the school board. and he, he changed my mind and I said to run for the legislature, I could have a bigger impact. But no, absolutely. I mean, we those are our children. Those are our children. And parents better step up and pay attention and attend those school board meetings and go and talk to the teachers. And, and when you, just to remind listeners, this is Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich with Governor Jan Brewer. Uh, Governor, how many times, I mean, you seem like you never lost a race. I know you never lost a race, but what was your record <laughs> overall, like in politics? Uh, you are like a black belt. <laughs> 24 and oh, that's, you know, amazing. I think it's a record, uh, you know, here in Arizona for sure. But, uh, yeah, and I'm proud of that. And that came because of a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work, a lot of door knocking and talking to people. But more than that, listening to the people. You know, we're elected to represent people, and I always did that. Well, Governor, I really appreciate you being on. And the one question I need to ask you that I've always wanted to know, who was the best general counsel you ever had um, in your um... (laughs) – I hope both of them are listening. (laughs) Oh, come on. Oh, you're the best. I'm going to tell my mom you you said hello. So thank you, Governor, for everything you've done. Oh, thank you. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I This is Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. I just want to thank everyone for listening today. I want to thank Bill, the control room, for everything you did. I want to thank Jim for allowing me to uh, you know, guest the mic today. Daniel Stefanski, uh, one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet, for helping me out today. Um, and I just want to remind folks that we need to thank our veterans. Freedom isn't free. Uh, thank you, everyone that served our country. And just remember, as we litigate these cases against the Biden administration's unconstitutional vaccine mandate, this isn't doesn't mean anyone's anti-science. It means we are pro-constitution, because once a vaccine has been administered, 
that can never be outdone. The COVID-19 vaccine mandates are one of the greatest infringements upon individual liberty, federalism, and the separation of powers by any administration in our country's history. Our Constitution cannot and should not ever be distanced, masked, or canceled. And as long as I'm Attorney General, I'm going to continue to fight against the overreach of the Biden administration and fight for every hardworking Arizona taxpayer to make sure that no matter who we are, where we come from, how we spell our last names, that the promise of America is available to all of us, that no matter what we want to do, that we are all treated equally under the law. And so in the future, when you get a public school kid like myself with the funny last name that you know people still can't pronounce, that they have a shot to literally become our state's chief law enforcement officer, argue at the U.S. Supreme Court, and literally sue the president of the United States on multiple occasions. And so whether it's securing our border, whether it's pushing back against unconstitutional vaccine mandates, whether it's fighting against the Biden COVID relief bill that does not allow states to cut income taxes, whether it's protecting our election election integrity measures, I will be there and I'm going to be principled and we need to. We all need to realize, we all need to appreciate that even when we disagree, we shouldn't be disagreeable. And we have to understand that the progressive left, the far left, is trying to concentrate power in Washington, D.C. And for too long, too many elected officials have stood by while that's allowed to happen. So I'm going to keep fighting for Arizona. I appreciate everyone listening today. Once again, this was Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich living in the greatest country in the world. And let us never forget on today's Veterans Day that God, guns, and guts made America free. Thank a veteran for all three. Thank you, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.